Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Feel what it's like to be Indiana Jones. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. Guys, thank you all for joining me today in what is sure to be a uh, blockbuster of an episode. Am I right? Like the like the t- the, the place you go to rent movies. <laughs> the place you used to go to what rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, I still go. We should probably talk about the movie before we ever talk about the game, because this is one of those things that um, I don't ever associate with George Lucas, but I guess you should. Uh, he, he wants you to know he's very responsible for Indiana Jones. I only ever watched the first one. I never felt like this was the trilogy I needed to be a part of. So yeah, same. When, when it came to Temple of Doom and Last Crusade and the one where he goes inside a fridge, like, I don't really <laughs> think I need to watch those movies. You know, I actually really like The Last Crusade. I saw that one. The first one's still still the best, but The Last Crusade I thought was pretty good. Which one's The Last Crusade? That's the third one with Sean Connery. Oh, interesting. I mean, I don't remember it. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember liking it a lot. Now that I think about it, I started watching it with my friend in March. Um, or in February before it was right before COVID and then we just both lost interest. So we watched something else. Temple of Doom or Last so, Crusade? Last Crusade. Oh, okay. Huh? Maybe, maybe it doesn't hold up. Maybe I'm, I'm idealizing it. So is Temple of Doom the second one? The second yes. one. Okay. Yeah. Which is a, a thing that we get often on this show. Somehow the NES released like right in the middle of all of these franchises coming out. Thankfully, we got a game based off of the original Jaws and not Jaws 2, but we got Karate Kid 2, we got Goonies 2, and that didn't even, like, ever come out. <laughs> we have Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, so, you know, I don't know what it is, but I guess you just, it makes sense to be, like, whatever the actual movie is, let's sell the hype towards that, rather than, like, the the big one that everyone knows. Yeah. Yeah, I also, I don't know the actual plot uh, to Temple of Doom, because I... The one that I read in the manual for this game doesn't seem to be all that uh, in-depth. Could you um, give the spark notes to us? Uh, you gotta go save some children, uh, and then there's a big fight on a bridge uh, against a dude. That, I don't <laughs> yeah. know his name, but Oh, so you've dude. seen the movie? I didn't see the movie, no. <laughs> oh, it sounds like you did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How much of the movie, Joe, has to do with rescuing children who are forced into slavery? Uh, to be honest, I really don't remember. I remember because <laughs> Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom I only saw once. And uh, I just remember a couple things when I was a kid that sort of disturbed me. I remember there being eyeballs in a bowl of soup, and that, that oh. freaked me out. Um, I, I don't even remember specifics, I just remember there was, just, there was some disturbing imagery for, for my child brain. Is it the one where there's like a where, where where they have that shot battle where like Indiana Jones takes a bunch of shots with somebody, or maybe that's a different one and like like drinking shots, drinking shots like in a <laughs> bar. Because I thought you were talking about the one where the guy like whips around the sword and then Indy's just like, "I'll just shoot you. I have a gun." <laughs> oh, that's that's a that's a great scene. 
We are we are basically experts on the Indiana yeah. Jones franchise. Thank yeah, I hope there's listening. not like a a listener that's just a huge Indiana Jones fan that's like just pulling <laughs> their hair out right now. Yeah. I would hope they're not pulling out their hair because this is a very authentic experience they're getting. They're getting four people who could care less about Indiana Jones about to do a deep dive into it. But I do think that's important, though, right? Like, kids who grew up in the late 70s, early 80s were probably huge Indiana Jones fans as a result of, like, you know, they they just kind of missed out on Star Wars. Like, they were probably way too young for that. And so I feel like Indiana Jones and Back to the Future are, like, the three the two big trilogies of that, uh, you know, that late 80s style thing. Maybe, I don't know, the, the Terminator probably comes a little bit later in terms of trilogy, but that's, like, what I think of when I think of, like, late 80s trilogies is Indiana Jones and um, the other one I just said. When did the first one come out? Are you going to confirm it for us, Joe? Or I, I'm looking right now. Me. I'm trying to remember what the first one was called. What was it called? The Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Oakland Raiders of the Lost Ark. Do you feel like you have to call the first movie of a trilogy or of a series in general? Do you feel like you have to call that one by its subtitle? Or do you think you can get away with just saying Indiana Jones, Star Wars? I mean, I just call it Star Wars 1. Um, Which is then- wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana they, Jones specifically won. numbered them. He numbered it- them on purpose. <laughs> by the way, it's 1981. Oh, Very so early this is, 80s. So this is one of those things where, like, it took a long time to get to Temple of Doom. Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Temple of Doom was, like, 85, I believe. Yeah, 84. Oh, man, I'm all over the place. <laughs> anyway, we should probably talk about video games because we should stick to what we know. Uh, all four of us, in one way or another, work in media, so it's really upsetting that we don't know anything about Indiana <laughs> Jones. But He's played by um, Harrison Ford. <laughs> that's That's good to know. Um, he's played by Harrison Ford. He has a hat he likes very much. He doesn't like snakes. What do you call that hat? It's got a name. Or what? His hat? has got a name. Yeah. It's like a no, fedora, no, not, not right? like a pet name. Yeah, not a pet name. Like a, <laughs> a Stetson. Like, what, it's a, like it's a fedora. Fedora? What? It's a neckbeard fedora. <laughs> Harrison Ford's a neckbeard. You heard it Harrison fedora. <laughs> All right. Video game wise, though, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is another one of those unlicensed, then-licensed Tengen Atari games that they got, like, sued like crazy for by Nintendo. You guys don't need me to recap this story anymore, right? Um, I, I believe we've gone over it, right? Yeah, no, three times now. This is like, you know, RBI Baseball had it. Um, what was another one that had it? Uh, just did a, we just did a big one on it. But uh, Pac-Man, Pac-Man had the problem. So Atari keeps trying to do this thing under a second company called Tengen, and it's just not working out. And what's funny is, is we're finally playing Temple of Doom, but it took a long time uh, for this version of the game to get to NES players. Because the film comes out in 84, the arcade game comes out in 1985, the arcade game is then ported to a bunch of other like computer systems in like 86, finally comes unlicensed to the uh, NES by Tengen in, like, early 1988, and then everybody's like, no, 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 you can't do that. So Mindscape, another company, releases the licensed version of Temple of Doom from Atari in December of 88. So, you know, from 85 and 84, if you count the film, all the way till now, 
it's been in the making, but it's like finally you can play Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom on your NES. And I'm just not sure how many people were looking for that. Yeah, it's actually so so strange to think about because obviously, like in the future, there you know the games would have released sometimes before the movie, like to to capitalize on the hype. Now it's just like, oh, that was that was four or five. Yeah, years ago. it's like a, a coordinated marketing uh, strategy uh, in like the '90s and the 2000s. But uh, yeah, this just seems like like, oh, what if what if we made an Indiana Jones game? Uh, I guess like a I don't even know like what's a movie released four years ago that it would be weird to get like a port or like a uh, a video game adaptation of now Venom yeah the movie Venom the movie Venom. with uh, Tom Hardy <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be fun no I'd, I'd play a Venom game why not I, you kind of did in Ultimate Spider Man on PlayStation Two if anybody played that you can play as Venom in certain sections. Wow, they came out with the game like a decade before yeah. the movie. <laughs> it's advanced marketing. Yeah. They're just priming us. Right away on booting it up, it's it's on my shit list, and I'm sure you can you can understand why. I'd like to hear it from you. Well, you start the game. By pressing the start button. The game tells you that much. It says yes. push push start, you know? <laughs> you push start. The Indiana Jones music, which is beautifully translated from um, the score that we all know so well, it's now done, you know, really well on the NES. Problem is, is that you push start to begin the music, but you don't actually start the game. Yeah. So then you press start again. We are on again. the same page there. Yeah. You push start again, and nothing happens. And then you're like, oh, it's one of those games where you press A. Instead, and then you press A and nothing happens, and then you start looking for the shoulder buttons. You're like, are there shoulder <laughs> buttons on an NES? Like, what's going on? And eventually, you realize, no, it's the select button. So it's really push. You, start you would go to, to the select. shoulder buttons before the select button to start <laughs> no, the game. No, of course not. I of would. course not. <laughs> I will say the select button was the last thing I pressed. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. No, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what what, what the meaning behind that was. I, I it's sort of a thing that continues to happen throughout the game, uh, where it just boot it. It seems to boot you back to the start screen, but different, and you have to press select to go into the next level. I don't. I don't know what this was for, but to, yeah. it's, it's really getting off on the wrong foot here. <laughs> I think it's trying to prime you into realizing, oh, there's going to be some puzzle elements to this. <laughs> <laughs> The first puzzle I mean, is your controller. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know that I hate um, games that make you do inputs that do not matter. Uh, what was that one recently, Sean? The, the hockey game, Blades of Steel, where you have to press A twice just to actually get into the match. I have a big pet peeve with this, so this game wasn't about to get away with it. If we can talk about the actual game, though, you know, bad start menu aside, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom it basically, you you are Indiana and uh, or Indy, as I guess people call him, and you have to make your way through the temple in a series of twelve levels or waves, as they might call them in the game. They always say wave one, wave two. I, I don't think of them like that because it's not quite like a shmup. It's just a action adventure game. Uh, you go throughout these temples and you have to like find a bunch of children, and then they leave you like scraps, like guns and blades and keys, and then you collect those things. And you're just trying to collect, round up all the children and get the key and hopefully acquire enough equipment so that you can continue to progress through the game. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty standard uh, loop there. Uh, one thing that I'll note is uh, on one of those 
uh, press select to actually start the game screens. It, it, it does give you a very brief run, rundown of what you're supposed to do. Um, I think my, my favorite line, uh, like it was like a subtitle sort of thing is that told you how to play was a touch child to get prize. You know, I wasn't going to say anything, but that <laughs> jumped out at me also. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had I to think, bring it up. It I think by you good. saying that, the podcast is now on a list. We're on a list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Touch and and, and everyone listening. Uh, you can put that on a t-shirt. No, but it is funny, oh though, God. right, John? Because <laughs> the, the whole aspect of the game is collecting these children up. And I think we joked about this in the pre-show with Sam about how, like, you're collecting the children, but then they just kind of disappear. There's no, like, there's no insurance that they're going to a better place. Yeah, it's like it's really more like hide-and-seek than you rescuing the children. You found them, and now you leave. They give you a knife or a gun, yeah. as the child does usually, <laughs> and then they just run away. It's like away. Halloween. This was the whole thing. I said... You're collecting children, and you said, no, 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 you're saving the children. Um, right, right. I, I don't know. You know, there's no way to tell what your character is actually doing. <laughs> These children are wanted dead or alive, is I think the, the underlying statement here. Indy seems like a good guy, so he definitely is saving these kids. Sean, you brought up the weirdest point, though. So you save the kid, and you walk away, and then, like, a, a you know, let's say a sword appears. Right, and you're like, oh, gotta get the sword. You pick up the sword, you and walk then a away. Sword appears. Another another sword appears. <laughs> you pick up that sword, and then you walk away, and then it's like, oh, one more sword. And I'm just like, what is happening? You'd think these kids could fend for themselves in there. It's just yeah, funny yeah, with that many swords. They didn't have a way to like make the like. Oh, there's three swords in this pickup. You gained three swords. You have to pick one up, walk away, pick another one up, walk away, pick another one up. Although I do have to say, the walking is very smooth. Not the jumping oh, yeah. or anything else. The walking itself. He walks thought, like he's pooping his pants. No, I I agree, Sam. I feel like with the you know, with the exception of the weird, uh, like pers- perspective of this game, it, it looks nice. It look he the, the way he walks, the way it animates, looks clean compared to just a lot of other games we've played. Okay, I, I will I will concede that Indiana Jones as a sprite looks fine, and he looks fine. But if we're going to talk about the controls of this game, like it, I think that we can't just stop at like, oh, he moves slow. He he moves smoothly in one direction. I didn't say moves. I don't think we were talking about walks. the controls of the Big game. Big difference. <laughs> yeah, we're just talking about the look of it. Aesthetically. Oh, I thought we were talking about the smoothness. No, I mean, I mean the smoothness of the... Of the animation. Like, the smoothness, the animation, and the motion of the walking part. That's it. Not the jumping, not anything else. Just walking around, I felt, was very smooth. Okay. That's what I that's what I got. <laughs> and I'll just rebut that I think it's worth mentioning that the way that his sprite is designed, it looks like he has taken a dump in his pants and he needs <laughs> to like like he's kinda like cowboy walking his but it was way a, through. It was a smooth well dump. Indiana Jones is historically <laughs> bow legged, so you're just making fun of a like a disability in a way. So I yeah, I, that's insensitive of me. Yeah, very insensitive. <laughs> Do you want to talk about how you move around this game? <laughs> no. Well, I think... I No, I do. I do. <laughs> and I, I think that the most important thing that was brought up was the confusing perspective. Because you got this, like, straight top-down view of everything. However, the game is more like, wants you to think of everything in a 2.5D kind of way. In the sense that, like, the, the cave has 
uh, multiple different layers of hills, if you will, that stack upon each other. So you can't quite like you're jumping down to other things. I don't know. It's very hard to explain the perspective. No, it, it doesn't. It, it So I can explain it. Please. Uh, the game is is stuck between deciding whether uh, the up the, the top portion of your screen and the bottom portion of your screen are above and below something, or if it's in front or behind. Because uh, it, it does it, it does sort of allow you to jump down, but it it it's more treating it as if the things that you're jumping across or over. Are, are just like right in front of you. Like if you're going to jump over something and it's like lava, you would think that you're going to jump over the lava, but no, you fall into the lava and you die. So it's, it's like a, an MC Escher sort of feeling. It's very, dis, <laughs> it's, it's very uh, discombobulating. Um, I don't think I ever got it right. Um, Cause some things you can and cannot jump over. It treats it as above and below or in front and behind. I hate it. <laughs> um, I guess it is kind of hard to describe. It's just broken. It's a broken yeah. perspective. It, it doesn't really make any sense. If you look really closely and use your imagination, you can like see what they want, what they meant. Like, like I yeah. can see now when I'm like looking, I can see, okay, I guess they were trying to make this look like this was a flat platform and this texture was the wall, but they, they missed, I don't, I'm not an artist, but they missed out on like doing something with the angles of the flat platforms to make them look like they're perpendicular to the well, wall. Well, neither were they. So they everything looks flat. It's almost like a, a child's drawing where perspective is always confused and some things are shown at an angle and some things are shown flat, uh, uh, like straight on. Um, it, it none of it is like you can get their logic, but it's not it's not cohesive al- along the entire level, like within the level, right? And, and it's definitely not intuitive. Yeah, you know how like when you look at a world map, and if you didn't know any better about the Earth, right? Let's say you didn't know anything about the Earth, you could think that the water are the continents, and that the continents are the ocean, right? Like you could invert it in your in your mind if you didn't know enough. That was me going into yeah. Temple of Doom when the game first started. I actually thought that, like, the walls were what I was supposed to be walking on and that, like, what the ground was was not what I was supposed to be walking towards. <laughs> and I was like, why can't I move? Like, my character is just locked to uh, to these directions. And I know that sounds crazy, but it is actually something that happened to me for, like, one and a half seconds where I was genuinely confused at the startup of this game <laughs> being like, where do I walk to? Yeah. The thing that got me was that I, after a little bit, I kind of understood like, all right, there's different layers of this. You can jump down onto the other layer, but you really can't jump horizontally, like over a gap or anything. You kind of jump down and to the right. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in, especially in that, um, like the minecart area, um, I was like trying to jump from one area to the right. And instead, my guy just jumps down like 30 feet and falls into lava. Yeah, that's always the most unsettling thing. Because the lava, again, looks like it looks like in a Legend of Zelda game where just lava is far away in front of you or, or behind you. But then, like, imagine if in that Legend of Zelda game, you, you, you moved a little bit and suddenly you just zoomed to the lava. Yeah. Because it's trying to tell you you're falling, but it looks like you're just zooming over the ground. It doesn't feel logical. And even if you jump what you think is over the lava, but you may clip another, uh, you, you may clip another like 
sprite of lava that's supposedly above you. you you're basically jumping into that as well, and then you die. Um, and so that that's, again, another point of just, like, they're, they're not, it's not logically cohesive. Mm-hmm. You're you're jumping above and into something, even though it's above. I don't know. Yeah, what this game definitely needed was like a pass through the um, the current 3D NES emulator that exists online. Uh, I think everybody has to like manually make those, like tell them what is what for depth. But it's really cool to see games like Super Mario Brothers and Mega Man in like this 3D uh, aspect. Of course, you can't roam back and forth. But I'd like to see somebody take a stab at, like, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in this 3D <laughs> NES emulator just to see if they could actually define for people what those things are supposed to look like. Because I agree, it's confusing of what's a pitfall, what's something you should actually walk across. The conveyor belts are also, like, on a flat plane but should clearly be acting more like ladders or or something. you know. But then there are ladders that they don't have the same angle as the conveyor belts. It's all very strange. And you have your little whip jump you can do, too. I would imagine that the 3D emulated version of this would look like some sort of uh, like optical illusion where something is always in front of the other, and like it's just sort of a mindfuck. It, it wouldn't work. I don't think that it, it, would, it would work. <laughs> well, Sean, you mentioned very early on about the jump, and I think we've all been dying to talk about this, so... You know, Sean, why don't you lead this charge and explain to the listeners at home why the jump isn't quite working in this game? Uh, well, it's it, it, it very much ties into what we've been talking about. Um, if you just if you're trying to jump up somewhere, you're most likely going to be jumping down. I think if you hold up while you jump, you you have a better chance of landing in the same like like on on the same like level that you want. Like it, it's a little bit easier that way um but otherwise it, it it just it doesn't go where you want it to go um that that's really all i have to say about the jump no you're right it's a directional pad thing you have to put the the d-pad input in with your jump so you have to already be holding down on like the left or right or the up on the d-pad before confirming your jump because if you try to do them at the same time it'll most likely just make you jump down um, but overall, it's not, it's not that it's confusing. It's that the jump itself too, isn't, um, isn't this great mechanic that allows you to like easily get over, um, obstacles and lava pits and stuff like that. There are these little spikes in the ground that pop up and down and they're co- they're common obstacles in a video game of this day and age. They'll hit you even if you're jumping. They'll hit you even if you're jumping, which is weird. But then there's also, like, the jump doesn't really jump that far over them, so there's a good chance your jump is also just going to land you right in those yeah. uh, spike pits. Yeah, it's all, I almost feel like the jump is, like, is really only there to get you from, like, one platform, quote-unquote, to a lower platform. Because, yeah. like, you can't really use it for anything else, and even if you're trying to, you'll probably just end up falling to a lower platform. It's definitely not using the jump as a platformer would. Right. But-
in the minecart sections, don't they just repeat in every direction? So if you keep going down, won't you eventually kind of restart? And if you keep going right... Assuming there's no lava below you, yes. There are dead ends in which you will uh, die if you're in the minecart, and there are caves that you go into that'll move you into a different screen. Right. Um, So I don't know if you could just stay on one forever and keep repeating. But that is a part of the game that makes it feel even more like um, an M.C. Escher mindfuck, is that I didn't notice this, because I just started walking to the right, and I kept walking to the right. And I thought, like, and oh, this, starts repeating. this level just repeats. But no, it's it's a Taurus. Like, you just keep uh, yeah. you just keep going in the same direction. I think it does the same thing if you go down, also. Yeah, it, it I think it loops in every direction with no, like, at least in, like, in, like, some Mario levels, in, like, Mario 3, some of them you'll, you'll loop, but you see yourself come across the other end of the screen, whereas this is just, like, there's no, like, indication that you've looped. So you're just like, wait a minute, am I already back at the beginning? Does this look familiar? This is like that level in uh, Super Mario 1, where you're in the castle, and you have to, like, go through the... You know what I'm talking about? I think it's, like, at the yeah, end of level yeah, 4 yeah. or something. Yeah, you're talking about, like, 8-4, yep. Well, it's kind of like that, Sam, but the only difference here is, like, imagine if... And as soon as you got to the bottom, you just miraculously spawned up to the top. Yeah. And... You know, I'm kind of conflicted about that because sometimes that actually helped me, like, unlock a key on how to save a particular kid Mm -hmm. or how to progress to, like, a different part of the stage that I couldn't figure out otherwise. Sometimes just, like, understanding of, like, special awareness, I guess, of, like, where you are in the stage really helped, actually, by that. So I I wouldn't ask them to just, like, lock these levels so that once you go, like, as far down as possible... The, the screen stops moving and you have to now like progress back up because I think it helped me kind of figure out like, no, I'm repeating, I'm going in circles. Like I need to try maybe going to the left or maybe trying jumping over one of these things or using my whip. It, it allowed you to realize your mistake. Yeah. I yeah, think I, that, I mean, I think that that mechanic is, is fine. It's more just the, the lack of any, any like indication that you've looped that felt really weird to me. I don't know what that would be, I guess, but. It was just, I guess, at first was very confusing and not clear that that was going to happen. I guess if it's, like, between this and something, like, what what was it? Like, the, the Load Runner sequel, or... Do you know? What about Load Runner? Was it Load Runner, or was it, what was the one where you're in the giant cave that is just enormous? Uh, Super, Super Pitfall? Super, Super Pitfall, that's it. Not Load Runner. I knew it was something like that. Um, if it was between this and Super Pitfall, I would go this kind of thing, because you really grow to understand the area that you're in. But Does Super Pitfall sort of loop like this? No, no, I'm saying... No, 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 he's saying if you have to choose between the two. Yeah, if, oh, I, okay. if I had to choose between some huge, expansive area that I could... that I had to, like, if I knew I had to get back to a certain part of it, I had to go all the way back, or this, where I knew it would just repeat, then I'd prefer this. So I think that I'm kind of, like, on the same page as you, Mike where it does seem kind of clever and interesting as a way of understanding the map, but still disorienting. I feel like it would, for me, it would depend on what the game is trying to do. I do think that this is a cool mechanic if you if you kind of build some puzzles around it. I don't know that they necessarily did. I think some maybe accidentally yeah. uh, worked that way. Um, and But I think that, like, 
like a one screen giant map could also be cool if you if your goal is to like have people have like remember the spaces that they found things and you know I don't know I I think that that just depends on what what they're trying to do. No, you're absolutely right there, Joe, because I think what I'm trying to get at, too, is, like, I figured out how to do new things because of this warping mechanic of the level in a sense of, like, probably something that the game on this position. Like, I could actually jump over to this thing and, you know, I might land on the next cliff down or something instead of, you know, using the whip to get over or if there was supposed to be a key I was supposed to get or something. So I don't think it was intentional at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is totally just a silly theory by me, but I almost, like, I I could see it being the case that, like, what if they just, they realize, like, wait a minute, like, man, our controls kind of suck for getting back up places, but you know what a good solution for that is? Let's just have it all loop so you can always get back to the top by going to the bottom rather than, like, fixing the controls. Who knows if that's what really happened, but I like that story. It's, It's funny that, like, this is the second game in a couple weeks now that uh, has a whip as a mode of transportation um, or or sort of like a like the grappling hook in Bionic Commando. It's sort of the same thing, except it feels much uh, jankier. <laughs> the way that it's designed, right, of like how to use that to like swing across platforms and stuff like that. <laughs> in Bionic Commando, you had to kind of give a sense of momentum and and it was clear on what the arm could latch onto and stuff like that. I'm not saying that they didn't make it clear because they did design an object to to like register as like you swing onto this. That's your grapple. But it <laughs> blends into the walls itself to the point where like I saw it in the manual but until I actually like recognized it myself in the game, I didn't know that like it was there and then I uh, you know it happens fairly early on in the game but I'm like Oh, yeah, I have to, like, use my whip yeah. to get across. And because like, there's no actual architecture to these levels, they're just a mess, like a, a mess of maze-like uh, corridors and whatever this 2D space is. Um, there's no context to tell you that, like, it would even be there or that this is a thing that you can traverse over. or Like, it's not, you don't know if it's a wall or if it's an open gap. It, so uh, it took me a while to recognize those as well. Speaking of the whip, though, I would like to talk about the whip combat because I think it's I think it's kind of interesting because you can't kill someone with the whip. You can kind of stun them for a second, but you can keep stunning them until you push them into lava, which, as far as I could tell, is the only way to kill someone. Well, the the weapons, Uh, I mean, with the whip, kill someone with the whip. That's true. Yeah. I actually miss using the whip because uh, it was I, like the 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 select for the um, for the weapons is kind of weird, um, and I don't think I ever needed it because I, I didn't really get that far. But I gone. Well, Sean, here's the issue. It's another it's another input problem for me. Okay, you can only select weapons while you're in the actual action adventure environment, right? Yeah. So, like, enemies are coming at you. Let's say there is not a scenario in the game, in my opinion, because I did play most of this game, but there is not a scenario where you need to actually use a gun, but it will automatically kill an enemy, which is useful, right? Yeah. So let's say you're in a position where you need to use your gun, but you don't have it equipped. The enemy comes towards you at a speed faster than Indy can walk. You then need to take your hand take off. Both, yeah, yeah. Take your hand off of one, of one side of the controller. Move your th- that. Let's say your right thumb to the select button. 
move, keep your other thumb where it is, but so toggle through the other weapons using the left and right D-pad, all while the action is still happening. So you actually have to, like, move your your hands and watch these enemies come closer to you as you toggle through your weapon selections. I don't like that choice. I think this should have been done through the menus. I I mean, I agree that it could have been done through the menus, but also I don't think it's the worst choice to say you have to do it in real time because that's the way it would work in real life. You have to, you know, Indiana Jones can't pause time to to select things. I think that the problem just solely comes from the weird placement of the buttons you have to hit together. Like, like it, it, there's not a lot of choices on the NES, but at least if they had chosen start instead of select, you could, you could keep your hand in the same position, hold start and select a weapon rather than having to literally shift your hands and then your hands not on the button you need to use to use the weapon. And that's a whole mess. Well, on the same topic of of the pickups and items, and not so much on the mechanic of changing between them, I know that like there were secret rooms that you needed TNT to open. Uh, I didn't find any TNT, but I kept finding those arrows that pointed to where the secret room was. Do you like? Was I just bad at finding these things, or when was the first level that you found TNT? Well. To be honest, I don't know what the first level you can actually find TNT is. It might be, like, hidden as well in those early levels, because I never found them. But it is something you can find throughout the game. You bring up a good point, though, with these secret doors, because they are, like, a kind of a cool feature of, like, a cave, right? To have, like, secrets that jump you to certain points, and you can do certain things. And it seems like such a simple concept, but the levels only get larger. And, you know, ammo in general, like is scarce right like you're talking about this tnt so even say if you knew like the arrow for the older ones right if you don't know where the secret location is and it's not like it's a dead giveaway based on that arrow you just have a general idea of the direction you can't really it's not like you know we always use this analogy of legend of zelda spamming all the bushes to find the one that you go into the cave right but in that scenario you know your ammo isn't limited like you, you actually could take the time to burn every bush here, you don't have the time or the, you know, like, the risk versus reward yeah. sense to, like, be like, I'll just bomb all these walls. One of them's going to open up a secret passage. Yeah. So, I mean, it it, it just seems like another half-baked, uh, half-baked idea. Because if, if you're going to put it in the first level and you're not going to give me at least one piece of TNT to start, like, I'm just not going to look for them anymore. <laughs> It almost makes me feel like they did it on purpose, though, right? Like, you see the arrow, you're like, huh, wonder what that was. But I just treat it like a normal collectible. I just think, like, oh, cool, I got an arrow. You know, like, that's gonna, yeah. that's gonna... Well, I mean, I read the manual, really and, and I knew what it signified. So I was like, oh, I must have at least one TNT on me if they're gonna start me out this way. But right. no, they're... But I was saying, yeah. like, you know, if they show you the arrow, and then in the very next stage after you progress, it says arrows reveal secrets or something, something to that effect. That means that leads you kind of curious. You're like, oh, yeah. I guess I must have missed a secret. However, in that same next level, you're in the minecart, and the first kid you save will actually reveal another arrow, and then it's just frustrating. It's like, okay, I found two of these things, and I still don't have any TNT. Yeah, what's going on? Like, where where do I get this stuff? <laughs> I'm missing out on secrets. Very much. But apparently, and I can't confirm this, okay, but from what I was able to read online. 
if you do use the secret doors, there is a chance that later on you won't have collected enough to actually be able to progress through the Chamber of Kali, waves 9 through 12. You need... Oh, okay. Wait, what item will you not have enough of? Whatever whatever collectible I guess you need the map. for that port... I, I don't think it's a... There's a map? I thought it was pieces of a map. I don't know. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm saying, like, that would be cool, but I don't know what it is, but apparently using the secret doors, I didn't use them. Apparently it will backfire on you. Oh. Like, the game wasn't programmed properly <laughs> to use them. Maybe it's like if you use all of them or something to that effect. But I couldn't confirm or deny this because I didn't do it in my own game. Huh. Yeah, that sounds like a problem. Yeah. Also, it just sounds like a good rumor. Yeah. (laughs) A playground rumor. Are are those, like, parchment pieces you pick up? Are those the map? That's part of the map for, like, I guess, level 9 or level 10 or something. Gotcha. I guess I just was picking those up and didn't know what they were. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they're necessary, um, because it says like there's a map room at some point, and if you have all the pieces of the map, then the map will be complete in the map room. But if you don't, then the map won't be complete in the map room. I but it doesn't tell you why that's bad. I don't. Uh, yeah, it didn't tell you why that's bad, or like if, you know if you could complete it after that, just with an incomplete map. I didn't okay. Get I think there, I know at so. least a little bit of what it's talking about now because I'm pretty because I'm pretty sure you go into the map room and literally just you just get a full screen map of I assume what is like the last level or something something and like it that. tells you there's things plotted on it I, I don't know I don't know exactly what I guess if you're more invested in this game and you're really like getting to the end that's helpful to you um, but you got to the map room I didn't get to the map room I I, oh. I didn't I got like f- maybe halfway through maybe a little more and then I watched um the ending so I saw I saw the let's player get to the map room and I was like, "What the heck is this? It's the one screen that's totally different than anything else in the game." Um, but I guess it must have been because he collected all those pieces. So I did my due diligence here because I remembered seeing this rumor. So I went back to the page where I saw it, and the issue here, Sean, is not related to the map. It's actually just the fact that that chamber of Kali thing I was talking about, Wave Nine. That's where, and I don't know if anybody else got here, but this is that's where like those dragon skull heads pop out of the lava and you have to okay so these dragon skull heads pop out of the lava and you actually have to stun them and build a bridge of <laughs> dragon lava heads that this you can movie? walk across <laughs> that you, <laughs> that you can walk across scene in the movie where he's trying to stun all the dragon heads well it, that's the thing joe so it really does take like a long time because you have to wait for the heads to spawn in the right spot so that you can stun them and then walk on to the next one and the issue apparently is if you don't have enough like ammo and um bombs and other things like if you don't have enough of that if you actually run out of that in that stage that's it you Soft can't luck. stun them with the whip yeah. as far as as far as this rumor is concerned so you just have to be very patient and hope you cross this bridge to make it to wave 10. Wow. It sounds like very exciting though. I, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I didn't uh, stop early. It does sound I, exciting, but I can assure you it's frustrating because <laughs> if, if you watch a gameplay of it, um, the dragon heads don't spawn in the sense of like, oh yeah, the player's going to try to build a bridge. So we, so we should make sure that the heads spawn in places that the player would want them. Instead, it seems purely random, and you just wait for the one that's going to lie. 
Sounds like a great time. There's also a limited number of these dragon heads, so if you do stun enough of them before, like, completing the bridge or you made the bridge too long or something, that's it. Like, oh, no you've way. now failed the bridge. Yeah, you failed building it. Wow. <laughs> no new ones will spawn. <laughs> it, it almost a program a limited number that, that changes the more you stun, then just make it unlimited, and then that also wouldn't break the game. I regret that I don't know anything about programming, but it just seems like that's like yeah. I feel like it would cause step. major slowdown. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And then Joe, you were talking about um, the the map room, and apparently, what that's about is the next wave, Sorry. wave ten. That's where if you did complete the map, you'd be able to now like get a full picture of this giant level that wave ten is with all like the the labyrinth and stuff like that and be able to figure your way out of that better if you had the map. You can still do it without the map, but it would help a lot more to have a map. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the map right now. I think I see... I mean, there's just a bunch of little people, which I assume are enemies, and there's one X. I assume the X is where you need to go. I don't know where you start from. Wow. Maybe at the bottom of the screen. You sound like um, just you sound just like Indiana Jones in the movie. Yeah, yeah, right. He's with this that whole scene where he's where he's interpreting the map. <laughs> These look like little people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I again, maybe once once you're a little more well versed in this game, maybe this map is very helpful. But I almost feel like I wonder how much more it does for you than just kind of trying to just exploring. I guess you, if you know if you know where the exit is, that's great. I just need to know where I start. Because <laughs> you kind of start in the middle yeah. of the screen, so... Huh. I feel like my recommendation is if you get all the way... To, if you're willing to get all the way to Wave 9, right? The the second part of the game, if you will. The first eight levels are very much the same thing, just different layouts and stuff like that. But you're collecting kids, you're collecting <laughs> uh, <laughs> collecting different weapons and ammo and stuff like See, that. you are collecting And you're trying kids. to find the key to get to the next wave. You're always collecting Anyway, point being... That if you're willing to do all of that, you might as well just keep collecting the map too and doing all the other stuff because there's a ton of like little secrets in this game and little things to find like the map and the idol and shit like that. But, you know, I don't know. I just wasn't compelled to do it. And I guess that's why I didn't also feel compelled to complete the game. But it does seem like there is reward for people who are willing to put time into this game. I just worry that we haven't. Uh, established enough how horrible it feels to play this game sometimes. And that's why, like, cause on, on paper, it's an interesting game with collectibles, secret passages. You are Indiana Jones exploring a cave with like what later reveals itself to be a labyrinth and chakra stones and, um, and a hidden idol. And then you have to like climb up these cliffs. Like all sounds cool to me, but if the actual gameplay is confusing from both a Graphical, a perspective, a uh, mechanics, uh, the fact that like your whip is not that great and that you're, the enemies just get like stunned into oblivion, but they always respawn anyway. So you just kind of have to figure out how to get through the levels as fast as you want. And you put all that together. I'm not sure if I would encourage anybody to be like, yeah, you should get all those map pieces to make sure that by the time you get to wave 10, you know, like a good player would probably be like two hours, three hours into this game. By the time you get there, that's when things really pick up and get interesting. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I kind of agree with with what you're saying, especially your point about like on paper it looking better than than it is to play. Because like I said, when I when I once I put this game down and started watching a video, when I was watching the video, I was like, this actually looks all right. Like I kind of I kind of want maybe I'll give it another try. Started playing it again and it still didn't still wasn't fun to play. So I don't know what I thought was going to change, but you know, there, there's some interesting environments. There's a little feeling of progression. Granted, it gets a little samey, but. But I feel like it should be more fun than it is. It it just somehow fails. I think they really needed to work out the the perspective and the graphics first. I I I, I know that's weird to say about an NES. A mental boundary mm-hmm. for me to like want to continue to work with a game that didn't necessarily want to play. I feel ball. like if they had just made it like a uh, a head on like two D platformer, it would have worked a lot better for them. Definitely, and especially if now, in the context of thinking about this map, if you look at this map, it's just a two D map. Like you don't see any, yeah. you don't see any like elevation change. Like then, when you get there, it's there's all kinds of ladders and platforms and whatnot. Like especially the minecarts thing, I feel like that could have been really cool. Like when I think about Donkey Kong Country and the minecarts in there, that's like some of my, those are some of my favorite levels. But yeah, you know, and the fact that you can like shift your weight to change tracks and everything. But I I feel like those mechanics are cool by themselves, but it just doesn't work in the game. And that they have a couple things that are like that. Totally. Joe, you have an interesting anecdote about the uh the finale of the game, the final level against uh Mola Ram. Yeah, so my my funny played Crash Bandicoot two. It was giving me very similar vibes to the final boss in Crash Bandicoot two. Which, I love Crash Bandicoot 2, but the final boss, you don't really fight him. You just have to, like, catch up to him. And that's kind of what the final boss <laughs> seems to be in this. Is just, he's running across a bridge, and you, you just gotta run after him. And when you get him, I, I assume that's all that there is to it, you win. And it says you win. Is it the end? Is there any cutscene after, or is it... There, there is. Okay. You get to, you get to see, um... All the short kids round. Oh, okay. the, remember? The, no, no, just short round. The kid that um, Joe reminded me is the. Oh yeah, you wouldn't know, Sean. Um, not that I would know either, because Joe reminded me before the episode <laughs> that uh, he's like the the child star of the movie. He's in the Yankee uh, hair, right? And yeah, yes, yeah. Um, and he's uh, the kid also, on the cover. Yeah, he's the kid on the cover. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Because he is. And also, uh, I don't know, did Indy have a girlfriend? Probably. Because yes. somebody... She was different yeah. in this one than she was in the first one. It was different, a different person, but... Got it. She's jumping for joy, and she gives you, like, a kiss. Aw. And short round watches. <laughs> Intently. And then it just says, you win, big man. <laughs> big Which man? Which I think, I think short round calls him big guy in the movie. I think that's, like, a thing. Is this the big man from that game from a long yeah, time ago? Oh my god, Indiana Jones is the big man from, what was it, that karate? Is that Kung Fu? Kung Fu, yeah. <laughs> yep, who stole uh, Sylvia. Yeah. And that must be Sylvia there. <laughs> that There we go, so this was actually a sequel to Kung it's Fu. It's a prequel, he's stealing Sylvia. <laughs> now I believe in the movie, Indy actually like cut the rope bridge while both him and Mularam were on it, and then... He has to like climb up the 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 rest of the rope bridge to like survive. That would have been cool if they would have found a way to incorporate that. Yeah, like track and field style. You you gotta get like <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do some like climbing mini game. 
Oh, you know what? It's funny, though, because I'm watching the ending, and they totally did just incorporate that. I'm watching it in real time, and they do actually have you, like, climb up. Oh, that's right. Ladder. But I, you don't yeah. know that it's up, because what's the difference in this game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't because tell. Because I saw that, too. Like, I thought you were just going that way, Climbing is the same as walking, so... <laughs> Because up is straight and left is down. And and there are, like, snakes crawling around on what I guess is the wall next to you, so it looks like the floor, and I don't know. Well, he hates snakes. That's true. So, I meant to bring this up a long time ago because Sam referenced it, and I thought it was really funny. But Sam, when you brought up Super Pitfall, okay, I have that in my notes here of, like, this game reminds me of Super Pitfall. And then I have yeah, nothing else. That? I was supposed to just expand on... I was just supposed to expand on that. But yes, it does remind me of... If you recall, Super Pitfall was also a terrible drag of a game to play in the, in the actual mechanics of the character you think- play as. Fun world, definitely down for it, but it just didn't bring it when it came to actually controlling the character you're I think that the be. common denominator between the two of them is that they both live in the jank folder. <laughs> Although, now that I think about it, yeah. Sam, uh, I do believe you might have been uh, talking about Spelunker. Spelunker? When you were talking about the big cave That's game. the one. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. Super Pitfall, but let, let me see. Spelunker also, I mean, Spelunker's a little bit better than Super Pitfall, but um, Spelunker is also a cave game. With bad um, jumping. With bad jumping, so yes. But Super Pitfall is a game with even worse jumping, if you can imagine it have worse jumps than ice climbers that's all i'm gonna say i'll just yeah. leave it at that you know we haven't talked about ice climber in a while <laughs> yeah we're overdue for another another ice climber episode we're overdue for an open world ice climber game <laughs> yeah that's true. So we talked about this game for so long, I actually wasn't going to, but I think it's just important to note that um, in the arcade version, and I cannot confirm this because I was not going to seek one out, you are unable to jump in the arcade is version. This a, is it the same game minus the It's jump? not really the same game, but it it's on the same ideas. Because I can't so imagine I can't, paying a quarter for, 15, for like five minutes of this. So. <laughs> It was definitely the same thing of, like, rescuing kids and getting things and moving on to the next wave and stuff like that. Huh. The graphics were really good, though, okay. for what it's worth. Uh, collecting kids, yes. <laughs> um, which give you points. Um, so that's all I wanted to mention. I just want to throw it out there for anybody curious. If you want to imagine what this game is like without a jump, apparently <laughs> the arcade version has that for you. Wow. You know, this game is really interesting, though, because it fits two different NES criteria for us. It fits the based on a successful licensed property, and also, apparently, a very successful arcade game that then gets ported to the NES and stinks. 
So this is the first it, time we've had like one of those fulfill two of those. <laughs> such a pedigree and and such a disappointment. At the same time, absolutely. If I can do sequels and spin-offs, as you can imagine, Indiana Jones has many games that we are not about to just go through right now. So I just picked some ones that I think are interesting, and you guys can comment as you feel necessary, okay? Raiders of the Lost Ark is the first Indiana Jones video game. Um, it came out on the Atari 2600. It was very popular. Not Nothing really all that interesting about it. So let's get on to the weird ones, all right? The Young Indiana Jones Chronicle. Okay. Based on that short-lived TV show that apparently happened on, like, NBC or something like that, of, like, a a young Indiana Jones and what he did or what his kid did or what somebody who just wanted to also name themselves Indiana Jones did. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't watch it. But it follows um, the short-lived TV show. It was made by Jalico. So we have another one from them. Or Jaleco, you know, whichever way you want to say it. I prefer Jalico. And we will play that. We'll play that on the NES, guys. That's an NES game. So we're not done. 1990? Okay. So the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Then Indiana Jones and His Desktop Adventures. I just hate the sound of that title. Yeah, it sounds so, like, business. Sounds like corporate. It's like, you know how... I kind of like it. You know how the movies are all about, like, Indiana Jones is this uh, college uh, archaeology, like, history professor. And he goes off on these crazy adventures. This game is like the rest of the time where he's just like at his desk at college. <laughs> well, yeah, what finally would, we're filling in those gaps. What, what it made me think of is, you know, those like shitty uh, programs from like Windows 98 era uh, that it would let you like destroy your desktop. Like, oh, I love that like, stuff. Guns and bombs. Yes. That, but I'm thinking it's that. But with an Indiana Jones, I would love that. Reason. I would. Yeah, I just, that would be essential <laughs> in a heartbeat. I, I thought it was just like something. It's like an icon next to like solitaire and and uh, what Minesweep on your on your desktop. It's also like the Indiana Jones game. And it's like a little <laughs> little arcade game, and you just climb up like your desktop icons and stuff. And <laughs> that'd be sick. <laughs> It's one of those games you get in, like, a trick cereal box. It comes with the, the CD-ROM inside, disc. and you put it in, and then you play. And you get a virus. <laughs> from from General Mills yeah. himself. <laughs> like the Bionicle games. Um, Indiana Jones and His Desktop Adventures is set in mid-1930s Mexico. Indy and Marcus Brody have set up headquarters in the small town of Lucasio, um, and now they are conducting excavations at Site R. I don't know if I'm supposed to know what that means, but Site I'm reading R. it. <laughs> yep. Whereupon they are immediately confronted with a series of mysteries, emergencies, and adventures. I wonder if it's supposed to be like Roswell. Very, very desktop. Yeah. I don't know what it was supposed <laughs> to be, but all I know is that the game is now considered abandonware. Okay. So it never happened. Last- it never happened in the... Oh, sorry. I guess that's not true then, if that's the definition of abandonware. That's how it says it on this website. But it did come out. You just cannot find it. Oh, anymore. okay. Yeah, that does, that does count. All right. Okay. Um, Probably because it was only in Trick Serial, which is not true. That's just <laughs> something I'm speculating. And then, last but not least, Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings for Wii and PS2. Game takes place in 1939 and involves Indiana Jones searching for his former mentor, 
while competing with his rival archaeologist, Magnus, for the staff of Moses. I'm compelled. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So were the Wii, the Wii, I assume, was all motion controls? I mean, Whipping things? in the sense, as much as the Wii motion yeah, controls right, were, yeah. right? I'll just mention that there's also a bunch of young Indiana Jones games, so clearly that TV show was successful. There's like six more. Not all on the NES, thankfully, but uh, I never even heard of it before this episode. I, I, it definitely rings a bell to me, though, which is weird, because obviously oh, wow. none of us are very big Indiana. It's a person. I did say live action from NBC. Was I right? Yeah, you're you're right. But I, I guess I didn't hear you say live action. Yeah, you're thinking of James Bond Jr. I, I am. That was, I know I yeah, am that now. was a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, but it just makes it sound like it would be a cartoon. And he's not really all that young. Like, I just, I thought it would be a kid thing. He's just like a yeah. teenager. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not about collecting kids anymore. Yeah. It's about collecting teenagers. <laughs> Well, we... Well, I'm uncomfortable. We have a collection of (laughs) video games on the NES that we really like, and we call that the Essential Games List. All right, it's time for the Essential Games List. Please make it quick, fellas. What do you got, Sam? Hey, it's Sam. Um, This game, like I said before, it's in the gens in it, but I don't feel like I'm having fun when I'm playing it because it's just so frustrating to do anything. And I I don't know. But the the walking though is very smooth. But still <laughs> You're sticking to your guns there. I like it. I like it. I'm not even gonna fight you there anymore because that's how dedicated you are. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Joe, your vote. Yeah, I think this game has has things in it that have potential to create a, to to be the components of a game that I mildly like, but then they fail to do that. But like you know, there's what like I said when I'm watching it, I'm like I'm like oh this looks like it could be cool. You get to like these different areas. There's cool little things where you got to build a bridge, which sounds kind of cool before it's explained. You know, before you notice it in depth. Um, but it just yeah, the perspective, the controls, the repetitiveness in in a in a way that's not particularly fun because of the controls, just all kind of adds together and and makes it uh, a not great experience when it could have been an okay experience. It had all that potential to be a decent experience. So I'm going to say no. I like how you're always hopeful, though. Sean, (laughs) what do you got? Um, This game has... Uh, a lot of the complexity of the more recent games with, you know, like sort of a sub menu sort of thing. And uh, like it, it seems to be going along the lines of uh, then, then, then this would have been. But it's it's design in terms of like the action, like the action design of this game is stuck in 1985. Like it it does not feel good to play in any sense aside from my guess when you're just walking to the left or right for sam um i i do not like this game i'm disappointed in this game uh it is not essential all right so there's zero chance that's going to make it on the list but i will add another vote against indiana jones and the temple of doom being on the essential games list you know for me 
the level layouts and the way that indie controls, which is, if you think about it, 95% of the game is always, it always felt like a chore to me. It's actually not fun to do most of what they set out to do, but you, and I don't know if this is because we play these games for the show, but like I kept playing for a good while just because I was intrigued. I was intrigued by what they, what they positioned on the back of the box and on the manual. I was intrigued because I thought that it was laid out differently than the games we're used to. Face it, if this game was just like a weird Indiana Jones shmup where you just kind of walk down a cave and you just whip at the enemies, right? Like, as they appear on screen, that would be weird. And I'd be like, oh, I've seen that before. But we haven't really seen anything like this uh, in terms of action-adventure exploration. So I wanted to give it a try. I just never really liked it, so it can't go on the list. And it's not. You can rest easy tonight, all... um all fans of nostalgia, you can rest easy, but I guess if you're a fan of Indiana Jones, you'll sleep on your stomach tonight or something, because that's uncomfortable. <laughs> People don't, I don't know, not many stomach sleepers in this it's, world. It's not supposed How do you to be know that? You, I sometimes right? do. I, it depends on what, what night it is, if I'm going to sleep on my stomach or my back or my side, you know? Don't judge me. Okay. Well, if you're a stomach sleeper, just make sure you set your alarm. For 8 a.m. on Fridays, because we got brand new episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Next week, Othello. That's right. Uh, we've all been the, waiting for. The black and white piece, checkers-like uh. game. Where <laughs> No, not the play, but I would I would be down for that. I'd be uh, Iago in that one. Um, actually, now, because that would make a sick, like, imagine if you could play Othello- the Odyssey and the Iliad. <laughs> well, talk about NES. things coming out too late for for the hype of the of their source material. Yeah, I think this game was really hot in one thousand. <laughs> uh, probably not that hot in twenty twenty. But right, give, me, give me one second. Give me one like, second about Othello. I think that it would be great if there were. I mean, since you're telling me Othello was not based on the play, it's sort of like a game about plays in which, like, you play a character in the play. So every time it's your line, you have to type in the line from memory. And that's like you being an actor in a play. Yeah. And then when you're done, uh, you're ready to just be in the play because you know all the When lines. you're done, it, it plays yeah. the whole play I mean, from start to finish and you can just watch it. <laughs> it's like a Mad Lib. Whatever you yeah, typed yeah, yeah. in will yeah. come up. <laughs> oh, no. It doesn't let you proceed if you say it wrong. You oh, have to start from the beginning. <laughs> uh, and if there's a time limit. And you, and and you just have that, uh, that wheel of fortune. I was just going to say. Uh, that Wheel of Fortune line uh, of of the alphabet at the bottom, so it, it'd be really fun. Let's just let's just do the Othello episode now. We're almost about to because I think we're running out of things to talk about already for Othello. So <laughs> join us next week for Othello, and the week after that for more real video games like Paperboy. <laughs> I'm Michael Esposito. You can find Nostalgia at NostalgiaCast on Twitter. We're always posting stuff and engagements through the roof, so you want to get in while the action's hot. You could say that uh, Nostalgia's Twitter is... I mean, lit. you could say it's lit, but I'm going to let Sean say that instead. It's what lit. I, what I'm going to say is there's never been a, a hard rule on following at NostalgiaCast. We've never told you to hit the follow button. We've never told you to be a follower. To anybody. So we're not going to do that tonight either, but if you ever just see it, know that it's not illegal to press it's it. It's not illegal not, to follow nostalgia. But we're not we're not advocating for it either. Yeah. We don't need follows. We're perfectly content. 
Liking nostalgia has been decriminalized nationwide. Yeah, we're totally content with the three followers we have. Um, we love you guys. We love all listeners. I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter. I have one follower, and um, I'll talk to that person very soon. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh-